Welcome to Horrible Friends. It's a podcast about horror movies in book club format. This week we have The Host. And starting off, my name is Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. Ignacio. I'm Jarvis. And none of us are Korean, but (laughs) we're going to go ahead and watch The Host. Uh, So a little rundown real quick is we're going to talk a little about the history. We're going to talk a little bit about the plot. And then we're going to talk about the cinematography, special effects, sounds, maybe, probably. And then uh, definitely going to give you a little bit of our own little review on it uh, with a spoopy meter. So starting off, Dan, what do you have for that history? If you do have it this time. Of course, The Host came out in 2006. In the U.S., it came out in 2007. And it is by director Bong Joon-ho, who also co-wrote this. But he is best known for, maybe you know him, as the Academy Award-winning director of Parasite. He also did Okja and Snowpiercer. I don't know if you guys have seen any of those movies, but Parasite's very good. I've seen Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is also very good. Yes, a very good movie. I've heard good things. The writer, other writers for this, there were three writers on this, was Won Joon-ha, uh, who is known for directing Stray Dogs and Spy Girls. Spy Girl? Not Spy Girls. That sounds like an... Oh. I'm yeah, pretty sure that's the movie I'm Did he do Spy with. Kids? I, I felt like I was going for a weird anime, like big titty anime girl. Yeah, no, that's the movie. With Spy Girls. Like, I was like... All right, anyway. Um, is that not and, the movie? No, I, I. The other writer is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna masturbate regardless. It's just okay. Anyway, Shu Yun Bak, uh, who wrote Undercover. Other 2006 horror movies that we could have watched were um, fan uh, show favorite, The Wicker Man, of course. Mm-hmm. Woo, woo! Bear punches. Slither. And Final Destination 3, which, I, you know what? I like Final oh. Destination 3. I mean, I couldn't tell you the difference between 3 or 2 or 1 or any other ones I didn't know about. I, I think there are some pretty distinctive kills that we will eventually go over. But but yes, I, I, I agree. They kind of melt together. Now, what I will say, Slither, phenomenal movie. I didn't see that one, but I heard that was very good. So... The budget for this is approximately $11 million, but in the box office, my God, what a killing. It made approximately $89.4 million. The filming location for this is in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, Specifically, they use a number of bridges to film this because, as you know, if you've seen this, um, as you guys know, because you have seen this, uh, they use bridges a lot in this movie. So they use the Wonhyol Bridge the Dangho Bridge and the Hong Kong Bridge, which the Hong Kong Bridge is actually what it's supposed to be taken after, but they do use those three different bridges while they are filming. Did they use um, Jeff? Um, I don't know how to answer that. No. <laughs> My name is Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's something. The guy with the, is, that's the guy with the puppets, right? No, never mind. No, yeah, Who am I talking was, about? That was you guys talking about Jeff Street. Bridges. I'm talking about... Who's the guy with the puppets? Jeff-a-ha. 
Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the runtime for this is about two hours. Uh, we have a bunch of taglines for this one. So one of the taglines are monsters are real. Another one is man has made his newest predator. Mm-hmm. Another one is it is lurking behind you. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is my favorite. You are what it eats. That's good. That's really good. They did it. They finally did it. <laughs> I like that one. I they like that it. one a lot. It's over. It it took them four tries, but man, did they get it? They... Dude, wrap it up. <laughs> they had them in the first half. Not gonna lie, they came back though. I like it. <laughs> so with that, I am done, and uh, with not having any clever way to pass it to myself, I'm gonna ask Kyle to just pass it to me. Uh, thanks for that, Dan. I'm gonna go ahead and pass it over to Dan. Cool. Thanks. All right. So. The host, 2006. So the year is 2000, and we are at a U.S. base in Seoul, and an American mortician orders his Korean assistant to dump 200 dusty bottles of formaldehyde because no other reason than that they are dusty. Uh, The assistant states that it'll go into the Han River, but the mortician is like, dude, it's fine. The river's super broad. Don't worry about this. Um, Before we go into any comments about this, I just want to say that, did you guys know that this was, like, based on an actual event that happened? Elaborate. You mean, like, last week when I dumped all my chemicals down the drain? (laughs) Yes, just like that. No, but in all seriousness, in the year 2000, there was actually, they actually, an American scientist actually dumped formaldehyde like 120 liters down a drain and it caused like a big political like thing and a big environmental like unrest in south korea i mean like this is very on the nose of what and very quick like well actually no it It was was 2006 2006. okay yeah everyone yeah but it's not unlike their character it's not unlike their character to make something like something like you know uh something so well known out of a real life uh scenario that the u.s fucked up yeah that's pretty typical yeah um having i mean that's this whole right having been to that base (laughs) um yeah no it's it's very political base right in the heart of sewell and uh yeah no i I thought it was actually that's interesting i did not know it was based on uh somewhat real events but but in a more real version (laughs) this whole thing is actually just based off of one man's hatred of dust. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Is this the origin story to Mr. Clean? <laughs> Mr. Cl- I-, I can't make Mr. Clean and Mr. Korean into the same thing. Mr. Chlorian? Mm. No, it's it's just poor taste. <laughs> but what I will say is... <laughs> I do like Mr. Chlorian. I, 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 I didn't know if it was good or bad, but um, thank you. I'm, I'm very, glad for that. But, no, just take full credit for were, it. Were you guys not excited when you saw Scott Wilson as the, as the American? Yeah, Herschel yeah. from The Walking Dead, right? I was also actually kind of upset. I'm like, man, Herschel, this, this was you in 2000? You piece of shit. Yeah, this was your fault. <laughs> this is you all your did fault. this. So let's fast forward from 2000 to 2006. Now we um, we go a little forward. And I'm going to skip past a couple things that happened, like the guy jumping off the bridge and like the fisherman 
catching this thing and the monster as like an adolescent. Well, I just want to say that the guy jumping off the bridge, that was the lab assistant that had a issue with Herschel dumping all the chemicals. Oh, I didn't wow, know. Okay. That. So we meet the, uh, we meet the park family in 2006. So let me introduce you guys to the park family. We have park. Hi, Blong. Uh, and I apologize if I, mispronounce any of these i'm going to do my best to pronounce them in all seriousness uh park Haibong, who is the father and he owns the convenience store um park namil who is a college graduate and appears to be an alcoholic and is unemployed uh park namju who she is an an olympic archer who has never been the best at what she does uh we have park hyun so who is a seventh grade girl, um, and Park Gangdu, who is Hyun Soo's uh, father, and I I think we would typically classify him as kind of a loser. Uh, like the first time we see him, he's sleeping while he's on the job, and like a kid almost steals from him, right? Like yeah, he's sleeping on a pile so. of coins. I just thought that was funny because he picks up his head and all the coins fall off his cheek. It was very. It's kind of awesome because it sets the precedent that the whole town knows that this guy's just a total piece of shit. But yet they still kind of they still they still support his business. They just prop his head up, put the coins under, and you know go about their way, take whatever convenience store items they need. But I will say I love grilled squid. Have you guys ever had grilled squid? No. No. Very good. Does not sound very good. It goes really well with getting drunk in the middle of the day, which is what our friend here is doing. So I support him and I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, you know, the dad kind of gives the daughter uh, beer. So like we kind of get the idea that they're irres- that he's a little irresponsible, not just a little, a very irresponsible. Um, and we see him cooking up the squid, grilling the squid. And uh, he goes to serve it, but the people that are in front of the convenience store are in front of a waterfront, and they all start to go to the front of the waterfront, and let me tell you, shit goes down quick. We see this monster jump out of the water, it starts attacking people, and I'm not going to go into great detail because I want you guys to go into detail, but let me just tell you guys the ultimate thing that happens here, it's that Hyunso gets snatched by this monster and the family goes into a mourning and they're taken to this trauma center and they have this really big emotional moment that's kind of funny and kind of sad and it really like captures like the whole movie really. Uh, but before yeah. we go into your guys' thoughts on that, let me just describe this this monster as based on the Roger and Ebert review. Please do. Um, so they describe this monster and I think it's perfect. They describe this monster as a creature of scary, a amphibious loveliness with greenish salamander like skin, froggy legs and webbed feet and a pinkish vagina dentata maw that resembles the primary orifices of an Arrakis sandworm, which is from Dune, if you are not aware. Uh, but it has extra mandibles and barbed lip flaps around the opening. So it has a Dune vagina uh-huh. and it looks like a salamander. Basically, okay. yes. I I concur. Huh. I will say it almost kind of 
the the only immediate takeaway I had visually is it looked similar to like one of the main monsters in the uh, Japanese film Spirited Away. Any either of you any of you guys familiar? Yeah. I've wanted to watch that for so long. I just had so so well done, but yes, definitely a strange looking monster. They kind of swung for the fences on it. Um, I I'm somewhere in the middle where whether I like it or not, um, I'm I'm somewhere in that beautiful middle ground between good and bad CGI. Um, you, you know mm. what I mean? Like I I, I didn't actively hate it, while at the same time I was like, um, okay, you know, let's 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 get rid of let's get past like the sci-fi entrance of the monster because that's what it seemed like kind of a sci-fi original a sci-fi original special you know um i agree completely yeah but yeah but for 2006 you know it it, it held up okay um it didn't hold up well but it held up okay um sometimes look it looked better than others uh, i think it actually worked it, it looked worse further away which I thought was interesting because usually it's like you can get away with it a little bit more as the, the further away the monster is. But uh, the only time that I, I liked it further away was when it was hanging on the bridge. That was that, that looked was really, really cool. cool. The actual entrance of this monster was yes, really cool. Agreed. All right, I I agree with actually both of you. I think that the monster looked super cool, but I do think it looked kind of cheesy at times, like the CGI of it. But let's not gloss over this whole fucking sequence like this sequence was dope as shit right like oh yeah we haven't even started oh my god like chasing the army guy and i I, so can we start before that can we just talk about the fact that like everyone on like everyone adjacent to that river who saw the monster was like hey let's pollute for science let's figure out what the hell this thing is it's definitely a dolphin let's throw cans at it and they all just start throwing shit in the river very quick they were very quick to just pollute that river they were like all right here's one can oh look he took it everybody on the entire shoreline just get whatever random thing they had in hand like squid and cans and bottles whatever they had they just threw at this monster well, my biggest takeaway from this scene, and I think it has to do with why we're so split on whether the CGI was good or bad. A lot of times in monster movies, they're kind of obscured by darkness or shadow. The first reveal we see of this monster is in broad daylight in front of dozens of people. And then you just see it chugging down the shoreline, scooping people up. For me, that was like a very mm-hmm. good reveal. And you see this thing yeah. in full force right away. You don't see it taking people or attacking people in the dark and the shadows is broad daylight in the middle of the city. Absolutely. I I respected that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that it doesn't, I didn't really see maybe one, uh, any more than like one or two instances, instances of it eating anyone. It was kind of just like nudging everyone, but you know, with the force of a two ton giant salamander monster. So it was like, I kind of like, I thought it was running around like sort of a two-ton fish dog, you know? It was just kind of in the way of everything. I would agree. It was kind of weird at first, right? It was like, wait, what is this giant fish thing doing? Like, until it started actually eating people, then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But, like, at first it was just kind of running into people. It was like, oh, all right, weird. It was excitable. Yeah, the, the, this whole, like you guys said, this whole scene of it coming up onto the the shoreline and then it starting to chase people and especially the the main character and uh you know 
running through all, all the way to the point of uh, right before we meet the uh, the army guy where <laughs> I love the army guy. The army guy's the best. He is he is the like what I believe all army guys believe that they look like. They look like a, a budget uh, Captain America. Yes, they all do. That's <laughs> true. The whole movie is very um, satirical of like U.S. policies and South Korea mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, I think that that's just like adding on to it is like because it's an American guy who's like, hold on. Let's get this sign. We got this thing. And it's like, I'm Mark Wahlberg, the weediest <laughs> yeah. actor of them all. <laughs> like, he, it sounded like it was really interesting that the, the, the acting of it sounded like uh, a white guy pretending to be a Korean guy, pretending to be a white guy. Me? I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Or like mm-hmm. an American guy. Like it, it, he just the acting was very strange like he was like hold on one second let me let me help you <laughs> okay all right here's the thing in his defense uh the language barrier is usually pretty significant and you have to kind of tone down your level of uh interaction so i i kind of i i kind of understand why the why the dialogue was i don't know uh a little lesser than it should have been but yeah. I, I mean that's that's just me, but uh, yes, that's yes, it, it it was it was kind of funny to see the interaction between the two. And also, this movie is pretty heavy-handed, and it's like anti-American, like message at points. So that has might have been to do why they portray him as kind of an aloof, just gung-ho army guy in the scene. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna see that throughout this this movie for sure. So. Let's fast forward. The um, so they were at the trauma center, and a man in yellow he comes in from the government and he asks if anyone has touched the monster or has any contact with the monster. And uh, Gongdu raises his hand and he's like, "Yeah, I have. I had blood on my face." And all of the Park family is taken to a facility. However, um, he's put into a bed. And while he's in the bed, Gongdu's phone rings and Hyungso's cry cries for help. Like he hears her voice and he sees, like, oh my God, she's alive. So the Park family forms a plan and they escape from the facility while getting new disguises to hide themselves from the government. I just want to go back a little bit because when the whole family is in the facility and they get the news that the little girl was like taken by the monster. And then she's likely dead. Like, I thought it was a little bit overboard and how they over like reacted because they were all like squirming on the floor and like it just seems a little bit overdone. I'm not saying it wasn't sad. I'm not heartless. But wow, wow, Mike. <laughs> I'll be I'll, I'll be completely honest in my um, in my assessment of it. I thought it was overboard. Yeah, overboard. That's all I'm saying. It's po- overboard. To the point that it was comical. Yes, but that's I, exactly what I'm saying. I'm not saying they should have... Get over it. Your kid's gone. I mean, it just was like very overboard to the point it was like ridiculous. But but at the same point, I still thought it was really sad. So I think the director did a really good job at like portraying like this humorous moment for this family. But like, like in our eyes, but it's still like heartbreaking because like the crown jewel of their family is gone and like they don't know what to do now 
What I will say is that maybe if her aunt had won the gold medal, maybe she would have scared those things away. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I might be wrong for it. Could be rude, but I'm just saying. I think that's a really interesting point because I, I think the movie harps on the fact that no one in their family is successful to the point that they should be. I put that in quotes because like what the Namil is a college graduate who has no job. Yes. Uh, Namju is a bronze winning Olympic archer who could Are win Are you saying gold. Like, like bronze he, is like a bronze puh? Yes. No, but from what I from what no. I've like heard and read somewhere that it's a lot of like Olympians and like competitors would rather have bronze than silver because when you get silver you're like oh I was so close to gold I could have I could have had it but I didn't make it so I got second place so I'm I'm garbage but and that's get- why history will never remember. Yeah, any no. of their names. But when you get bronze, <laughs> when you get bronze, it's like I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to get a medal. I could have came in fourth. Like that that bum who got fourth that nobody's ever gonna care about. But I got bronze, so good on me. I'm happy to that's be a, here. That's kind of a Zhang Du kind of kind of outlook. Right. So I, I respect it. Okay. That's why I try. The the whole point of the movie states that she could have won gold. Like they even say, like, oh, she's going to win it here. She's going to win it. And then, like, she freezes she up and she just doesn't. Yeah. So I, I think it's, like, and then um, what Gong Du is just, like, I mean, Gong Du is Gong Du. Like, he's <laughs> he's sleeping on dimes in the beginning of the movie. Like, so I think it's, like, more of a portrayal on, like, their whole family and, like, that they are a, quote, disappointment. Dishonor on you? Dishonor on your cow? Like, in some sense. I, I think that's what they're trying to sure, say. Sure, yeah. I think complete dysfunction throughout. Because typically, Asian cultures are not very... They're not very intimate in that the, you know, physical touch is kind of taboo. Unless, you know, you're, you are, you know, married or something. And definitely, uh, public displays of that are, are very few and far between. So, and, and that's throughout a lot of the, you know, typical Asian cultures that you would, you know, think of when you hear the phrase Asian culture. To include Korea. So I I think it was kind of cool to see, like, yes, maybe it was a little overdone, but I think it was kind of of neat to see, like, the fact that they were, Koreans specifically, by the way, are not afraid to be pushy and and kind of like, uh, I don't know, sort of in your face. So to see that with the the family dynamic and the fact that they were, uh, you know, a, a, a little overboard uh, with the death of Hyungseo was, I, I think, kind of neat. For me, at least. So, in the midst of um, them escaping, the Bark family escaping, getting new disguises, uh, in the midst of all this, we see different scenes of the monster doing some, like, acrobatic flips and shit. And from a bridge, and it starts eating people, and it starts transferring some of them to a secret location with, I mean, what we can assume is the hopes of eating them later. That's the midnight snack. Yeah, exactly. But but we do see that Hyung So is actually alive as we got that phone call. We say that Hyung So is alive and she's in this location. As time progresses, we actually see that she meets a little boy down there named Seijo. And uh, Seijo came down with his brother, but unfortunately Seijo's brother died when uh, he was taken up by the monster. 
So uh, is it just me or did that music not fit that escape scene at all? Because it was supposed to be this tense moment where they were all in the van fleeing the hospital or whatever kind of barricade they set up there for all the people that were exposed. This is this like upbeat, like happy music, like that, da 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 uh, it just kind of took me out of the moment. It's the most functionality the family's had the entire movie. So, like, I I, I saw it as kind of an up moment, you know? So, I, I actually really like the pacing of that chase scene because it was kind of like that 80s, you know, uh, uh, what, what's what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Danger Zone. Yeah. I, I, uh, if they should have just played Danger Zone. They should have just played Danger Zone. <laughs> oh, man. If they did, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for this movie. It's very Andy Rooney. Like, no, 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 I liked it. I I liked it, too. I, I thought it was a very, I don't know. Like it, like you said, it was it was an up moment, but it was also something that the movie tries to, to battle with a couple times until about halfway to three quarters of the way through the movie, which is like it throws in some comedy. It just tosses in a couple like funny things like that. Seeing um, seeing the woman who's who's good at archery. I'm sorry, I can't remember the names at all. Um, and she's and she's just like casually walking through the underground parking lot or whatever it is. And they're like, you you left her there? And she's like, just kind of like, hey, hey, I'm, guys, I'm here again. I got that. That was hilarious. It was such a good use of it. It's and like, so it did, funny. It didn't fit the movie. I'll give it that. But it was it was good. I really appreciated it. So I don't know. There was another scene after that because after they get escape and they make the getaway, they uh, drive it around the the city in a like disinfectant truck and you just see the one guy whose daughter got taken like running behind the, the truck and all the disinfectant smoke like blowing <laughs> in his face. And they're like, yeah, he's just 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 let him do it. So after this we uh see the parks the park family finds their store and they're able to relax for a little while they're able to sleep catch up on some eating uh they actually have this really cool scene where they all imagine feeding the daughter and they're they're like feeding her a bunch of food and it it, it seemed like a really interesting scene but after that uh the monster shows up we see the monster just standing outside. It's kind of like drinking the rainwater as it falls from the sky. Naturally, what would you do if you see a monster? You start shooting shoot at it. So they start shooting at it. Anyway, I started blasting. Bye. Yeah, they shoot the fuck out of it. And of course, this provokes the monster. Uh, it turns back around as they leave this convenience store and it runs over Haybong. And it kills him, unfortunately, which was the father, if you did not remember. However, in Gongdu's grief, he runs back and to be with his father's uh, deceased corpse. And uh, he's captured by the army. But Nam-il and Namju are separated and they are able to escape. So, yeah, well, I, I really, really liked the dinner scene inside their, inside their shop with Hyun-seo. Um, I, I was completely taken back by. It. I thought I'd missed something. I actually rewound it uh, twice to make sure that I hadn't I hadn't missed something. Only to realize, dude, I agree. Yeah, only to realize that this was like kind of their their projection of their longing for Hyung Seo, um, which I, I thought was beautifully done. It was so subtle that it made you like, whoa, wait, hold on, uh, because you know that was really their truest desire at that point. Um, 
And I think that was the closest thing to a like a functioning family dynamic that they've had the entire movie. And it was and it was made up. And there's something beautiful in that, I think. Um, only to be followed by something not so beautiful in the father's death, which is a real shame. Because it followed a very strange backstory on uh, Zhang Do, kind of how he's just never kind of been up to par. But he's always looked smart, but he's never been smart. And he was able to... Oh. Right? Gong Do? Yeah. Yeah, Gangdu, Jangdu. Gangdu. I, I don't remember if it's I can't remember if it's G's that kind of make more of a J. But um Yeah, it was an interesting backstory right before the father dies. Um and he talks about he was able to tell uh Gangdu's or Jangdu's level of health, uh judging by his farts. I caught that part too. That was really funny. Yep. Love that part. That was amazing. And I was watching it with my wife briefly. She actually walked in the room. She's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, all right, hold on, hear me out. And we talked <laughs> about this for a moment and I was, and we were able to kind of sort of find like a middle ground where we agreed with him, where I was like, when, when my, when my kids fart like this, like I know there's something wrong. And so it was, it was strange and, and arguably unnecessary, but I liked it anyway. It's things like that that make me not want to be a parent. Because if you could like tell <laughs> a child's mood, hear me out. As a father, I all I all I'm saying is I understood. That's all I'm saying. Now, what does it mean if it's like kind of eggy with a little bit of like <laughs> things are looking up. <laughs> it's a good day. It's a good That's day. That's what that means. Things are looking up. Or, it's kind of or they had broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like your horoscope except there may or may not be corn involved <laughs> oh you mean turn turn thank you yes correct all right let's keep this farty train <laughs> i just want to say about, so, about the death of the dad that was like very brutal how he just gets like picked up by the tail because he gets told there's like one more bullet so he's like yeah, i'm gonna sacrifice he knows he's gonna sacrifice himself but he thinks he's gonna take the monster out with him so he's like squaring up against the monsters running it right towards him and he goes to shoot it and the gun's empty and you could just see the look of like disappointment in his son and like kind of like just dread and acceptance all within the span of about two seconds and then he gets like grabbed by the tail and just slammed on the ground and it's very yes very brutal way for him to die a little bit man i i know exactly what you mean because like he yeah Gangdu told him that there was one more bullet. He 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 was counting along with the shots, and he realizes as his father goes to fire, and there's no bullet in the chamber. He's like, "Oh fuck, I miscounted." That bitch don't know, man. And, and there's this little moment where the father looks back, and he's he's a little bit disappointed, but he's all he, it's kind of like, "Ah, oh the my boy," and then he gets murdered fruitlessly. He's not taken back to the to the nest he's just body slammed like full fucking choke slam like cur angle slammed on the fucking sidewalk and it Hell is for yeah. no reason other than the monster was like <laughs> i got him like that's it that's the whole <laughs> audience reaction so after this after everyone escapes and Dong jong jong do is uh captured i'm gonna say it with a j now uh <laughs> Uh, Namil it meets an old rebel 
quote, like protester friend. And he learns of a bounty that's on his head as his friend tries to capture him. God, what a little fucking weenie that dude was. Namil does manage to escape. He jumps off of a bridge. He passes out. And uh, he, he does learn upon Hyungsu's uh, location. But God, what a fucking weenie I mean, that protester he was. He was more of a weenie because it wasn't just him. It was like 35 people in that office building all chasing down this guy to capture him. Like, okay, how much could this guy's reward be if you are able to split it 35 ways and still make it worth it to betray your friend? You know, the worst part about it was that he put up, like, a fist. Like, he was like, yeah, man, fight the power. Like, as he was trying to run away. And I was like, what the fuck is this dude doing? And he's like, I, I can't find the password. I got to go look for it in this other room. You stay right here. I'm going to go look for it over there. But you stay right here. Oh, he's in there. And then, like, even after the fact that he, he sold his friend out and all these people are chasing him down, he runs past him in the office on his, like, way to escape. And his friend's like, yeah, make your getaway. It's just... <laughs> what a douchebag. <laughs> Let's see, where are we at? So, Gangdu, while he's subdued, uh, he's captured. He he manages to hear an American scientist, and the scientist is saying that the virus is fake, and this is a disinformation campaign about how this virus can spread, uh, which has been a concern throughout the movie for uh, at least the people of Seoul. Or this, you know, this area. Because Jungdu has heard them, they decide to lobotomize him. But weirdly, that doesn't work. And Jungdu manages. It makes him better. It makes him stronger, <laughs> like, hulks him out. And Jungdu escapes and he steals one of the nurses and he's like, I'm going to stab her if you don't fucking get out of my goddamn way. See, I didn't catch it. I thought they were just like, I, I didn't catch that they were just lobotomizing him because he overheard them say there was no virus. I thought the doctor was just like, yeah, you know what? This virus, it's fake. It's not a virus. Not an, We can't figure out a cure because there's no virus and nothing you have can help us. By the way, the virus is in your head, so we're just going to go right <laughs> to your head. <laughs> because even before that, there was like barbaric testing on him. They were injecting him in like the chest and drawing his blood. And right. It was brutal. I felt for the guy. But it's, there is no virus. That's and to exactly prove my though. point, I will lobotomize this man for no apparent <laughs> <laughs> No, because, because the, the virus was in his head. Yeah, he was just trying the to virus get it. The virus was in his head the whole time. I get it. Clearly, right. the, in, yeah, his no. hair, oh, yeah. <laughs> in his hair. In his hair. Look, all the magics of uh-huh. modern okay. medicine aren't doing anything for this virus. So my next tactic is to take this pointy stick and I'm gonna poke it <laughs> right in his brain. Yeah. No, and, I, I, and yeah, yeah. I thought this is a good. Uh, this is a good turnaround because, like, for a while there, this did look convincingly like it was going to spawn something else. Hence the name, the host, right, of the whole movie. I, I thought that was. That- that's what I thought was going to happen. Right. Correct. We thought we, he was going to be the next host, but it turns out it was this, this whole plot is what we're going to learn shortly, or we already did learn, is that they're going to be using a um, an ex- experimental weapon. And it kills all biological uh, the, matter. The U.S. Army. Ah. Yeah, in, in like a 12-kilometer uh, radius. You know? no I mean, I, I don't know <laughs> metrics, so 12 kilometers could be a, a block or two. I don't know. That, that could only be like 15 <laughs> centimeters. I don't know. 
Uh, well, I'm yeah, going to work in America, so we don't have to worry about it anyway. Yeah. So it's <laughs> Another fun fact for you guys. Actually, this was not so much fun. But Agent Yellow, which is what Kyle was talking about, uh, that biological warfare uh, that they will be using on the monster, um, is actually a reference to Agent Orange, which Americans used That's during it. the Vietnam War against, yeah. uh, you know, the Vietnam uh, the people of Vietnam. Vietnamese? Uh, yeah, I can't talk. I've been drinking. Leave me alone. Um, the Vietnam, they used it against the Vietnam. <laughs> um, you can't prove it. Against, yeah. I, <laughs> I, well, yeah. Yeah, it, the, it, the stuff was bad. It, it would just cling to your skin and burn you down to your bones. So, that's, so yeah, it was bad That's stuff. not quite the same thing. That's napalm. Napalm sticks to kids. That's napalm? Yeah. Oh, my Napalm bad. sticks my to bad. kids no, is the uh, old saying. Um, it's not a good Agent- thing. We're not proud of it, but it's a <laughs> thing. <laughs> Agent um, Agent Orange, I think that's what I said it was called. Um, yeah. That refers to something that they would put on the crops that would like burn up the crops and make it so that they couldn't use them. I believe that's what it Mostly was. Mostly correct, yes. Great. So that is that is a direct... We did a lot of good things. Yeah. We did a lot of really we're, good things. We're a good yeah, country, yeah. you know. We do yeah. we do a lot of good things. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't prove it, it let's, didn't happen. That's true. Let's keep let's keep moving this plot Allegedly. along. Yeah. So so Nam Il, the uh the great wonderful college graduate who has no job and is an alcoholic, uh after he fell from the bridge. He finds a homeless man who abuses him after he tries to <laughs> pay him for uh, different things that he owns. And the homeless man is like, no, money can't buy everything and goes with him and helps him create weapons to fight off the monster. That is a thing that happens okay. in the movie. You're glossing over one of the funniest scenes in the movie where the, where the homeless guy just casually smashes him over the head with the bottle. yeah but with what i've noticed at least from the the two uh we've done like three korean films now uh in in two of the korean films the homeless guy turns out to be a cool dude and just saves somebody right Mm -hmm. so i I think that's that i don't know that's just like a a thing in Korean culture where like the homeless guy they're trying to just just the opposite just the opposite they do not treat the homeless very well um oh okay so they're trying to treat the homeless better by put portraying them as cool people pr- in movies pretend but they still don't yeah like, like we pretend like yeah, we yeah, fucking yeah. love yeah. these guys they're really neat get that guy the fuck off my bench like uh, get that's him off the, my fucking property that's what happens at the fucking recording studios but yes yes no that uh, apparently for whatever reason that's a common theme in these movies all right so we're gonna get to a really cool part so the creature is so we're we're skipping around a lot, obviously, but there's a lot of cuts in this movie. So the creature is sleeping in this area that Hyung Su and Seju are in, and Hyung Su tries to climb up a roof that uh, they made while the creature was gone, the monster was gone. Um, but as she jumps through the air, she is grabbed with its tail. It's comically done. And just kind of gently put down on the ground, and they run away, and it chases them. I got nothing. That was great. Is that, yeah, I thought it was really good, because it's hilarious. <laughs> when she was trying to make her escape, 
I, she's like, yeah. And she tries to grab the monsters back to the makeshift rope she made. And then all of it, you think she's like on the rope, but it pans out and the monster's got its tail like wrapped around her body. <laughs> it's it's, so it's just such a dejecting moment because you realize she's not going to get out of there, or at least right now. And it just gently sets her down, which kind of is in contrast to how it was trying to like, attack her and the other little kid at other points. But it's kind of unclear whether this thing's trying to keep them as pets or keep them as food for later. I don't know. I was admittedly confused at this point, like a lot. Yeah, this is a, a well-paced scene just in general. Yeah, you get, you get the, the build up, the hype. The uh, the euphoric, yes, she did it, and then the the very the literally like gentle letdown of no, she did not. <laughs> and then from here on out, we have really just like basically that, like it's like, oh boy, like she didn't make it. It's kind of like dejected, and then kind of like up for a second, and then down hard, and then just a little up at the end. So let's let's see what that's like. So Zhong Du, we see Zhong Du as he escaped from that facility. He finds the creature as he goes to uh, the waterfront. And he sees the creature. And he sees that Hyung Su's arm is hanging out of its mouth. The monster jumps in the, in the river, back in the river. It charges at this large group of protesters that's standing outside. And as it jumps up to go attack, Zhong Du, he uh, goes to fight it off, goes to save his daughter. The military drops the Agent Yellow on the monster. Now, this stuns the monster, and Zhong Du is able to, to pull out Hyung Su, who is clutching Seju, the little boy. But unfortunately, um, because she saved Seju, uh, Hyung Su dies that was i was upset about that that was very upsetting i was very upset about i was just that. like oh it's yeah. just like everything they've gone through like yes i'm like oh they're gonna get it they're gonna save her fuck never mind like what a gut punch yeah, yeah. what a gut punch. Definitely. yeah i was half expecting it to be one of those like oh we thought she was dead but she's not really dead she's gonna like just take a deep breath in and it's going to be a happy ending. No, like the classic, like all of a sudden just. <gasps> yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did for the little boy because he thought he was dead too. And then all of a right. sudden he starts to move around when he opens his eyes. As painful as it is, it kind of reaffirms that she was always the best in that family. And, you know, even even mm-hmm. to her last moments, you know, she she acted in the interest of others. That doesn't make it any easier to swallow. And it kind of sucks. Because the, the entire movie is based around them saving her, which was like a 0% chance in the first place. And then they get there, and it's like, it's going to happen, and then it's ripped from under us. I, I kind of like what they did emotionally. I don't like them for it, but I appreciate what they did. You appreciate the art of it, but hate what it did to your feelings. Absolutely. So if you guys think that we're done there, uh, we're, we're not done there. So Jung Du and... Namil, Namju, and the Humos man, of course, because he has to be a part of it. Because we are on a <laughs> we're on a conquest to make the Humos look good in South Korea. So they begin to attack the monster, and as they're setting it on fire and throwing Molotovs at it, um, 
Zhengdu pulls out a rod and he impales it on a pole and that kills the monster. It wasn't the monster, the pole that killed it was the fire. No? Well, the the pole like impaled it through the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like the final okay, piece. Okay. The the fire But it was on fire. fire you right. Started. Yes. And it was running back to the ocean and that was my first thought was, oh no, this thing's going to get right back in there and uh nope, pokey pokey. Which was good. We get like some sort of resolution of the whole thing like we we want that right <laughs> like yes. we want the dad to have a little bit of yeah. something it kind of comes full circle to when he tried to attack it with the uh like the pole and the cement in the beginning of the movie it does you know what i mean so yeah it, it finally like his actions finally had an effect is, is really what it was supposed to signify and it's also redemption here for nam Ju too because as the throwing the molotovs at him he drops the last one so he has nothing to use as a weapon. So you have the homeless guy pour a whole bunch of gasoline on top of him from the bridge. And this is where Namju shoots him with the uh, flaming arrow to set it on fire. So it kind of gives her the redemption arc of where now she's not going to hesitate. Because even early in the movie when the monster's running down on her, she does hesitate again for a second with her bow. And that's when she gets knocked out. Now this is at the end. She comes back and contributes to killing the monster so to finish the movie up um we see the uh the parks you, you know the park family they obviously mourn you so it's very sad they're, they're all crying around the body of her but we fast forward a little bit and you know to a little bit of of uh happiness here we see Zhongdu and um he's with seijo as he has a has um revived him and actually adopted him. We see them in the convenience store and they're eating and Zhengdu has the TV on and he's talking to Seju. Seju says, turn off the TV. I don't need to hear the report about what is going on with the monster and with the environmental impacts and the impacts on everyone. And he turns the TV off and we end the movie on a nice wintry landscape. Yeah, it was a nice ending. I, I appreciated it. I think what they were talking about on the TV was what we had spoken about earlier, where they said something about like a misinformation campaign or something like that, and I wasn't sure what direction to take it because they were talking over the TV, which was, I think, the point. You so. know, the the scariest thing about that is like how real it felt. Like it, yeah. if we would have looked at this, I mean, obviously two years ago, we weren't doing this podcast we weren't having like watching movies and like talking about it in like this fun way. But like, if we would have talked about this two years ago, I'd have been like, this is so unreal. But like in 2021, Mm -hmm. this just, it felt real, right? A disinformation campaign going on with like this pandemic and this virus going on. And it just, it felt very real and it was very, I don't know that, that made it, kind of jarring to me personally yeah because i had the same look on my face uh, or i get the same look on my face when someone walks into a store and they're not necessarily wearing their mask correctly or at all as the people did at the bus stop at the very like near the beginning of the movie when the guy is like starts spitting yeah he just moves his mask he's just like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's like coughing a lot and i do the same thing I'm well like, then he spits mm. in the puddle and then the bus <laughs> runs it over and it gets all over all of them yeah that was oh, dude, that was kind of the, was the movie I yeah, it was well. Funny. No, it it was funny, but I right. would have then beaten the shit out of that man. 
Well, then it was exactly what I think they were trying to go with, which is this is turning into almost like a, a zombie movie, which was, you know, it started heading down that that direction with like the virus is spreading. I, what are we? I doing? really I thought do. that's yeah. where we were going to end up, but I thought that's where we were. Gonna I, I'm happy it uh, it didn't go that way. Big old angry monster. Yeah, that's fine. That. Hey, it's Monster Month. That's what we. It do. is. So, yeah, we're at the cinematography court. Wow. Um, wow. I thought this was very well shot. I thought that the director or the cinematographist, um, cinematographer, cinematographer, yeah, cinematographer. Is that is that yeah, like yeah. a kink? Like I don't know I, what that is. Uh-huh. I think it's a porn thing. Yeah. it's got to be a porn a, thing. Yeah, right? person who fists during yeah. the cinematography, yeah. right? Yeah, correct. Right. <laughs> it, it's it's like a fluffer except for fisting. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm writing it down. Thank um, you. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No, I thought I thought it was uh this movie was was well done and and playful at times and serious and like the camera angles were right alongside it and I, I don't know I, I thought it was really well done. A couple of scenes that I really liked. Uh, everything in the sewers was, was great. I don't know how if it was actually in a sewer or not, or if it's just under a bridge or whatever. The scene where um, the the sister wakes up and she gets out of a hole in the bridge, I thought that was probably my favorite scene. And this whole thing, it really like opened up uh, the, the 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 woman who's really good at um, the bow and arrow. Well, she's not really good. She got third place. <laughs> she's good enough to get into and get the bronze dirty in the bronze <laughs> winner way to be a participation <laughs> trophy peddler bronze don't make history so she, okay <laughs> <laughs> so she gets out of this hole in the bridge and walks down this pathway i don't know man that is definitely my favorite scene as far as uh, the cinematography went but um i don't know you guys got anything yeah i agree i i, I loved it i, I mean i think I think Bong Juno is just a great director. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he's absolutely. so good. He he just knows that perfect, yeah. just, especially with like a lot of parts of this movie. Like we met, like you guys mentioned, um, just how we go from like either action or horror, all of a sudden just boom, comedy for a quick second, and then, all right, right back on track. Like it shouldn't flow so seamlessly as he does it. Like it shouldn't work, but he makes it work. You're right. That was a perfect. Perfect way to say yeah, it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. No. Yeah, yeah we, we kind of covered special effects earlier. I don't know if you're going to go into that, Jarvis. Oh, I, I, I mean, the, the special effects, I, I think we all had similar feelings on. What I will say is that the, the use of uh, the camera angles, when they were, when some of the shots were utilized, um, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, some of the CGI was utilized, uh, did improve it. Um, so the kind of silent running of the monster initially along the bank after we see it for the first time dip into the water after hanging off the bridge. Uh, again, it had it had issues from a CGI standpoint, but because of the way he shot it, it was still really cool. It still made the audience kind of go, whoa, what the fuck is that thing? Um, which ultimately, I think, in a movie like this is the goal because at no point did it really deviate from the fact that it's a monster movie. It, it you know It gave the impression it could be something else but those, uh, you know, uh, that impression was squandered eventually. Um, it's a monster movie. It needs to have those kind of themes and that kind of uh, wow factor. And I think it did that with a lot of its shots. I think it was a very smart use of visuals. 
Yeah, well, just for me, the one thing that stood out as the weakest use of special effects was right at the end when they set the monster on fire. Uh, it was not very good-looking CGI with the monster on fire. But other than that, the monster looked good, especially for being portrayed in the daylight, like I was saying earlier. Because most of the time, like, you don't want to show the monster because what you don't see is scarier than what you do see. But they did a good job showing the monster for the most part. Yeah, we're, we're probably getting to the tail end of of the viability of that CGI <laughs> actually looking, <laughs> uh, actually looking decent. You know, it's it's how many years is that? That's it's fourteen plus years, sure, fifteen yeah. years or whatever it is. So it, it it's some time. So yeah, and you know, know from uh, a visual aspect, I'm sorry. One last thing, uh, something we didn't cover entirely, aside from the monster, was kind of like that that human fear factor. Um, you know, especially even before the right before the dad died, you know, you look in the distance and you see the guys with the yellow suit coming out from under the tunnel. Mm. And, you know, it, it's that kind of equal fear of like, OK, there's this monster. But then also, like, we're on the run. It's kind of like that government is chasing me. And uh, and plus, I have a little baby kaiju that's trying to actively eat, me. <laughs> you know, so I I thought, yeah, that the, the way that it was shot as kind of those equal equal threats right it kind of it kind of leveled the playing field as far as what was against this family um really added to the story as well yeah i think you make a good point there and and thinking about it now all the shots were also most of the shots at least were definitely at eyesight like at at the height of a human so like you kind of got that feel of oh i'm there as well so maybe not necessarily found footagey but um you know, similar aspects. So yeah, that's a good point. That's awesome. I'm gonna move. I'm I'm gonna roll over. Uh, sound and music. I I thought the score in this was was fun and playful at times. Like we said, that silly uh, random break in in the the middle of the movie uh, with with the escape route was, was kind of funny. But the rest of the movie, um, I think it was tonally correct. And I don't know. I I, I enjoyed. I I don't think it pulled me out, which is good. Uh, sound effect wise, I. The monster was was okay. I think the monster was pretty uh, gurgly and gargly. But I thought the monster was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's all you need. You need gurgly, it, gargly, and then there you go. That's all the ingredients you need for the sounds of the monster. Oh, the the sound of the monster puking out all of the bones Thank and you. skulls yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah that yes. was gnarly, that dude. Was if you have if you have a sexual fetish for being swallowed, whole, I do. This is the movie. <laughs> it's just that whisper. Hey, Charming. I do. It's, it's, hey, How do you know that was me? It's called. It's called yeah. Vore. It's just oh, called okay. Vore. Just go like. I mean, you're into Vore. Why also, do you know what it's called? <laughs> Why do you have to categorize <laughs> my don't you know? And just let them be my thing. <laughs> I don't need yeah, to know no, that no, others feel regurg- the same way. I want to feel special and I want to feel weird. All right. <laughs> That's like Mike knowing what the soak method is. Okay. Don't <laughs> give him a platform to talk about the goddamn soak method again. For the love of God. <laughs> yeah, it's a good technique. Um, sure. Um, anyway, yeah. Second was, anyway uh, of the season. You called it. Yeah. So they, the other one, including it, right in before. Right around that same scene, though, with with everything coming out of it, was that when the skull actually hit the concrete, that had to have been something akin to an actual skull. That was a, a very particular sound, and I don't know if I could tell you what a skull hitting concrete is, but that sure as hell is close to it. So, yeah, uh, I think that they had a lot of fun with this movie, and I, I appreciated it. And I had a lot of fun with this movie. Yeah, great. Well, how about we go in that route? 
Dan, do you have a spoopy method for us to go with? Of course. Of course I do. Um, and we're going to keep it nice and simple. So do you guys know how long the, the Han River is? Uh, Broad. I at, believe it is at least 10. broad enough to hold 210 jars of formaldehyde. Dust. That is actually true. <laughs> uh, sick reference. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like I'm just going to throw out my rating and just say zero to 210. Is that really the <laughs> <spooky> scale? <laughs> No, I was going to do, so the, the Han River is 307 miles long, which is pretty crazy, but I really like the idea of 210 <laughs> bottles of wine. Why? So how many bottles of formaldehyde would you pour down the drain to support this movie? Hmm. 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 Yeah. Uh, I will start off here and I will say that as far as spoopy goes, this thing did, it caught me a couple times. I think when I was, uh, you know, reading the subtitles or whatever was happening and something happened on the screen. So it definitely, it got me a couple jump scares. I wasn't really terrified of the monster, but it, it made it compelling enough to be worrisome. Like I, I, I was like, you know, I was rooting for the characters to get away, which is, you know, that sometimes you don't do that. So, uh, I would say 210, uh, spoopy. I would, I would say it's maybe, maybe 70, uh, bottles of formaldehyde. But as far as how much I actually enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm dumping most of it. I think I'm going to just dump, I'm dumping like one ninety. It's it's a very good movie. Uh, I I really enjoyed myself. It was a little long. Two hours was like there's a couple scenes that probably didn't need to exist and, and could have been kind of scrunched down. But honestly, like I I, I didn't hate it. So uh, definitely a recommend from from me. But and by recommend, I mean dump more bottles of formaldehyde down. Yeah, uh, I kind of agree. I didn't. It wasn't really all too spoopy. Uh, I also got caught by a couple of jump scares solely because I'm reading subtitles and I'm so focused on that then all of a sudden something happens and scares the shit out of me. I mean, it shouldn't, but uh, <laughs> I thought the monster was cool. Uh, I mean, looking at it now, 15 years later, uh, like some of the effects of the monster like don't hold up too good, but still not bad for a 15-year-old movie. Like I said before, I think my, my favorite thing of this movie is just how um, this director is able to just he, it's not just one entire like genre the entire movie he is able to just kind of fluctuate between horror comedy action whatever and it just flows so perfectly and i really appreciate that because you know not many directors filmmakers can accomplish that like i mean you know you might throw someone might throw in some comedy into their horror movie and it just kind of falls short and it's just like all right i, I guess that was, that was kind of funny but i don't get why it's here and it kind of takes me out of the movie uh spoopy wise i'm i'm gonna go with probably about like a 65 but as a whole i'm probably gonna go uh close to Kyle. i'm gonna do uh, 185 jars of formaldehyde going right down that drain i thoroughly enjoyed this movie uh i'm on the same page as the two of you i didn't find it overly scary but it, the monster attack scenes were always tense and they were always exciting on the spoopy scale I would give it probably about 60 to 70 bars of formaldehyde. Uh, overall, I wasn't as in love with the movie as you guys were. I did not like it, but I wasn't in love with it. So I would say probably about 120 
Baza formaldehyde did feel kind of like dragging on in parts. Even though they did have some good scenes, they kind of lightened the mood and the tenseness of everything going on. It's just for me, I just couldn't get into it because I, I, it just might be a, a me issue, but I didn't really care too much about like the family problems. I wanted to see more of like the monster and the monster attacking them and taking down the monster instead of them just looking for this girl. So 110 bottles of formaldehyde poured down the drain. Pretty high praise from all you guys. Okay. Uh, so, so uh, I, I will agree on a few points. Um, I really did like the variety of genres that the director was able to incorporate throughout the film. Um, it's not strictly a horror movie um, throughout. The biggest issue I had is that I don't know if it even really crosses into the genre of horror all that much. Uh, yeah, ho- ho- monster movie, yes, but almost in kind of the same realm as like a an action horror um, similar to uh, Pacific Rim, if you will. Uh, I'm, I might be kind of alone on this island uh, in, in this opinion, but I, 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 I just would, wasn't scared. I would agree with that okay. to the point of it's more horror than Tremors, but ah, less, but less, wow, horror, wow. But less horror than uh, Feral the two movies we've done this season already. So it falls in between those on the horror scale. I agree with that. Okay, that's an interesting take. All right, so if we're, if we're using those as a metric, I, man, I don't know, Tremors, maybe I'm biased. I'm going to try not to be biased. Um, but speaking objectively on this film, um, I, I, I was not scared. So we'll, let's speak objectively on, on what we can measure. I was not scared. Um, so out of 210, I'm going to give it maybe... a we'll do 10 on a spoopy scale and that's about less than five percent like 3.5 percent out of a hundred percent um uh, i i wasn't scared um but i i didn't actively dislike it i i did think it was a little too long um i was interested in the characters i was interested in the f- family dynamic but overall um as a horror enthusiast Uh, For myself and all you good people listening, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to watch this in the mood for a horror movie. I will give it um, 80 out of 210. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same same spot as all of you guys. Um, I I didn't look. I don't usually find these movies scary. (laughs) So I think I'm just a bad judgment. So I don't I don't find it scary. I think it's. uh, this is my joke and not Chris Farrell's joke at all. Uh, I think it's a 69 on the scary <laughs> joke. Totally my joke. Nice. Um, all nice. my jokes. Yep. Thank you. I came up with that all on my own. And I, I wish, uh, no one I wish this list, uh, the scale went up to at least 420. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't. So I'm just going to say 69. And that's my joke. Um, and not Chris's joke. <laughs> so that's um, that's my spoopy meter. Because uh, it's not it's not really scary, but uh, at, at, in terms of overall, really like this movie. Man, I just I, I I just like it in so many facets. I think that the director really hits on all those different genres that we've talked about. I think it goes from I don't think it's necessarily a horror movie, but I think it has like horror aspects to it. But I think it's a comedy. I think it's an action movie. I think it's like. Oh, man, I, I don't know. I just I, I think they hit on so many different genres in a great way 
in a way that doesn't feel like they don't know what they're doing where some movies do like this director he knows what he's doing like he he wants to hit these different areas and he doesn't so i i without droning on about all the different aspects that i like i really like this movie um and I, lastly i'll say i personally um and other people can disagree but i think that this is an easy movie that you can actually watch read the subtitles watch it for a while kind of zone out for a couple minutes and come back and like you'll like still be in the movie like you'll still understand what's going on that that's personally how i kind of felt about it but so um to finish my rant, I will give this a probably 200 bottles of formaldehyde dumped down the drain out of 210. Whoa. And that's that's where I'll stop. Wow. Well received. Except by you. Yes. I, I'm typically the black person. That's okay. <laughs> what does formaldehyde <laughs> no, do? What does formaldehyde do in a, in a, in a large uh, body of water? Does it tend to mutate? Nothing. Does it tend to mutate the the... The biological life inside of body of water. I think we should have a special guest of the guy who actually did that in two thousand. That that scientist. That yeah. they're called a, a waterologist. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, as waterologists, we actually know the answer to this, but we just want to see if he does. Yeah. I I think yep. if we can't get in touch with him, we should all do our own at home testing. <laughs> where you just keep pouring a bottle of formaldehyde down your own drains until something goes wrong. And that's when you know you've hit your limit. You know, Mike, uh, I, I'm going to help you out, and I'll come over to your house and help you dump them into your drains. Nope. Yeah, I would like to come over to Mike's house, too, and help him dump <laughs> That scene dump looked like the morning after, like, as I'm, like, you know, you know, elbow deep in my hangover. It's just like I'm pouring out all the liquor, and I'm just like, never again. Fuck the wild I didn't know life. what you were going to say when you said elbow deep in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Especially after the morning after. Yeah. I was like, what is he elbow deep in? <laughs> no, no, everything, everything about that yeah. was bad. It was, we're talking <laughs> about formaldehyde. Confused. We're talking about being elbow deep into something after a night of heavy drinking. I don't know where this Never you mind my analogies. I was already set to text Travis and say, all right, about an hour and 12 minutes in, I need you to cut. Don't you this. censor me. Don't you dare. <laughs> I'm with- I was thinking of Shit's Creek where she was like, I've stopped drinking. I'm done drinking. Moira, that's my beer. Yes, I know, but it's symbolic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, what one man chooses to do on his own time and after a heavy night of drinking up to his elbows and another. Yeah, I'm thing, sorry. Person, I thought this was America. I, I, I don't judge. I don't judge. You can do what you want in your own time. So you can say that now, Jarvis. I can say that. I'm very proud to be able to say that. All right, wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, I will. I just want to give my thanks out to you for listening. Uh, everybody who is listening, I do also want to thank Andrew Cavanaugh for our intro and outro music. And I want to thank Connor McLeod for our artwork. And I want to thank Travis if he's editing this. If not, go ahead and um, we'll just erase this. <laughs> go ahead and fuck but- yourself. <laughs> yeah or if not go fuck yourself yeah tra- tra- travis kaiser thank you um and uh beyond that i think that's it for us this time so chris why don't you tell the people what they can do with their formaldehyde <laughs> uh, thanks for stopping by and go pour it down the drain We...
<laughs> we are children. <laughs>